Chapter 22. Are you done making a difference? When your memories are more exciting than your dreams, you've begun to die. Howard Hendricks. Stepping up and becoming a patriarch may be the most courageous step a man ever makes. It's not only politically incorrect, which makes an even stronger case for it, but it's countercultural, demanding grit and character to go against the grain of a youth-oriented society. A man who doesn't step up at this point in his life will most assuredly step down. True patriarchs are such an endangered species that most men don't know this step even exists. Others wrongly assume that they could never stand on this step. They don't see themselves as ever becoming a patriarch. As a result, we have a generation of men entering this last season of their lives feeling aimless, useless, and bewildered, instead of being on the cutting edge of what could be their most productive and fruitful years. About a dozen gray-haired men sat at the table in a prestigious country club, all former executives who had been highly successful. They were leaders, champions, bright, intelligent minds. They were risk-takers who'd led big lives, checkered with success and failure. Married between 45 and 60 years, these men clearly had plenty to impart to younger generations. As I prepared to speak to them, I couldn't help but think that their gray heads only added to their dignity. They had asked me to speak for 10 minutes about what family life was doing to strengthen marriages and families across our country. As I unpacked what we were doing, I mentioned that I would be speaking to a gathering of executives a couple of days later about three qualities of a patriarch. What happened next was fascinating. It was as though I'd touched an open nerve. For 45 minutes, they peppered me with questions, peeling back their hearts and sharing their disappointments, frustrations, doubts, and desires. They talked about how their adult children were critical of them, pushing them to the fringes of their lives. They were treated as unnecessary, except as babysitters, and they felt their family didn't really want their influence or their involvement. They went on to say the only opportunities their churches offered were ushering, serving on the stewardship committee, and giving to building programs. They lamented that the culture had become so youth-oriented they felt emasculated, treated as though they were done, and had nothing to give back. These men, who had once been kings in their families, their businesses, and their communities, were for the first time in their lives uncertain what their roles should be. Like broken antiques gathering dust in the attic, they were without purpose. But as they interacted, I could see in their eyes that they longed to be challenged again. War-hardened and savvy, these sage soldiers wanted to fill their nostrils with the smoke of the battlefield and engage in the fight again. They didn't really want to trade their swords and armor for a five-iron and a golf shirt. They realized they were made for something far nobler than watching cable news in a lazy boy recliner. I sat there astonished at what amounted to 
grand theft. Men robbed of their glory, no longer dreaming because of a complicity of forces that had cruelly swindled them out of their courage to step up. Like Beck Weathers, these men had been left behind, disoriented, lost. And like Beck Weathers, if they didn't act soon, this last season of their lives would be wasted. I left that meeting with two conclusions. First, most men don't know how to think about aging. They don't know what the Bible has to say about growing old. Instead of facing upward on the fifth step and pursuing God and His purposes for their lives, they step down and squander a lifetime of experience, wisdom, and abilities. They erroneously conclude that their life impact is over and take their cues from the culture about retirement. As they shrivel in self-absorption, all wrapped up in themselves, their lives become the smallest of packages. The result? A perennial shortage of sages. Think with me for a moment. How many men do you know in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are vigorous, still growing, and still using their influence for good? Men so visionary, so alive, so positive, and expectant about how God is going to use them that you'd want to be like them when you grow old. A second conclusion was also evident. It's time to resurrect the mantle of patriarch. It's time for a new order of noble, life-seasoned men to courageously arise, strip away the encumbrances, and do battle on behalf of their children, grandchildren, communities, and nation. God created men not to rust out, but to wear out as they stretch out toward the finish line. For those of you who are over 55 years old, and especially if you are retired, I have a tough question for you. If you're finished making a difference, then why are you here? Do you think your best days are behind you? Do you think you don't have anything else to give? Are you going to believe the culture that thinks you should clip coupons, collect seashells, and spend your kids' inheritance? Or, on the other hand, wouldn't you love to be able to articulate your mission for the years that you have left? Wouldn't you like to know and feel noble about what you're living for? Could you imagine others considering you to be a patriarch? The word patriarch comes from the Latin word patri, which means father. Webster defines patriarch as it relates to a family as a man who is a father or founder, the oldest representative of a group, a venerable, esteemed, old man. Lest your imagination run away with you, I'm not suggesting that you become the godfather, like Marlon Brando in the classic movie. Because of characters like him, unfortunately, many consider patriarch a dirty word. For some, it conjures images of male chauvinism, of dictatorial, self-serving men who rule their homes through fear, force, and manipulation. Instead, 
patriarch is a word that glistens with prestige and nobility. In the Old Testament, patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and David served as heads of their families. And David was even described as a man after God's own heart. See 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. Today, patriarchs are men who reach down the steps, investing in the generations to come. They are men who realize their potential to live a lasting influence in their families and communities. Being a patriarch of your family isn't everything. It's not absolute authority, not domineering power, not manipulative control, but being the father of your family in your later years isn't nothing either. A patriarch understands his assignment as well as where his influence lies, and he asks God to use him. I became interested in the concept of being a patriarch as my children grew into adults and began to marry. My role as a father was changing, and I knew that as they established their own families, I would no longer have the same authority in their lives. But I also recognized that my work as a father wasn't finished. It was just morphing in its expression. Even though my children were adults, they still needed my encouragement and prayers. I'm no longer the head coach calling the plays, but I've become a fan on the sidelines, cheering them on. Young men raising a family in this culture need a few raving fans, enthusiastic applause at times, and even an occasional standing ovation. Finally, as patriarchs, we have the time to cheer for our grandchildren and pass on stories of how God has worked in our lives. For instance, my nine-year-old grandson, James, asked me recently about how I helped start family life. I gave him the Reader's Digest version of the story. Perhaps I'll double back and tell him a little more in the coming days, which reminded me of Psalm 71, a psalm you might call the memoirs of a patriarch. In his old age, the psalmist declared, O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. The generation to come needs to hear your stories of how you came to faith in Christ, how He answered your prayers, and how He provided for you and your family. What an opportunity we have as we enter into the final years of life to use the wisdom and influence we've accumulated and reach out to the next generation. This is the vision that many men today need to have in their final years. I think of Bill Barber, a lifelong Texan with a wonderful, earthy sense of humor. I met Bill after his son Clay came to work at Family Life, and I call Bill a patriarch. He later wrote me and said he was surprised at my remark. He said, heck, I didn't realize that I was one. Bill said he's been called repulsive, obnoxious, anachronistic, funny, crazy, opinionated, a rascal, and an enigma with a savoir faire. But he kind of liked this new title of patriarch. 
He went on to say, fact is, I'm really loving this patriarching. It's a lot simpler than most of my peers think. You got to quit fighting it. Admit your age. Oh, yes, it doesn't hurt too. Number one, be an encourager. Secondly, be a servant. Third, a disciple. Fourth, sometimes silent. Fifth, be forgiving to others and yourself. Being a patriarch, he concluded, is just not too bad. And it doesn't hurt that Bill, the patriarch, always has a pocket full of peppermint candy that he hands out. I found that men of all ages resonate with the call to become a patriarch. They really listen. They want dignity at the end of their lives. Intuitively, they know they were made for this, a profoundly mystical and powerful word that causes their chests to swell again, a uniquely masculine mantle. They realize that God still wants to use them, that their finest hours may still lie ahead. The following poem by the Bishop of Exeter reminds us of our need for real men of all ages. But every time I read it, I think it best describes a patriarch. It's entitled, Give Us Men. Give us men, men from every rank, fresh and free and frank. Men of thought and reading, men of light and leading, men of loyal breeding, the nation's welfare speeding. Men of faith and not of fiction, men of lofty aim and action. Give us men, I say again, give us men, give us men. Strong and stalwart ones, men whom highest hopes inspire, men whom purest honor fires, men who trample self beneath them, men who make their country wreath them. As her noble sons, worthy of their sires, men who never shame their mothers, men who never fail their brothers. True, however false are others. Give us men. I say again, give us men. Give us men, men who when the tempest gathers, grasp the standard of their fathers. In the thickest fight, men who strike for home and altar, let the coward cringe and falter. God defend the right. True as truth, though lorn and lonely, tender as the brave are only. Men who tread where saints have trod, men for country, home, and God, give us men. I say again, again, give us such men. Why do men trade glory for boredom? Why do so many men fail to step up and become patriarchs? After pondering these questions, I identified the following reasons. Number one, counterfeit manhood. Many men didn't really learn how to deny self and be real men when they had the opportunity to stand on the manhood step. Though they may know better now, they may think it's too late to start being the men God has called them to be. Secondly, the gender blender lie. Men can buy into the deception that the genders are the same, that there should be equal authority in the family. Therefore, they think there is no unique calling or responsibility to be men in their later years. Third, the lure of lesser loyalties. Men embrace the modern-day notion that we work until we're 65 or 70, 
and then retire. They think they've earned the right to focus on enjoying life as they coast to the finish line. Fourth, the loss of their chests. Men are weary of the battle, of following God's call for their lives. They've lost heart as they look at a decaying culture, the problems in their families, or the number of health issues they face. Fifth, bitterness and cynicism. As men grow old, they've experienced enough disappointment that they can easily become disillusioned, bitter, grumbly, and cynical. They can become crotchety old men. Note to self, you can't be a patriarch and crotchety at the same time.